next on Reboot Your Life. We speak with the legendary Deepak Chopra to learn about how the brain rewires itself based on what we're actually thinking. Plus, I think we're going to learn a little bit more about the two hosts of Reboot Your Life and our stories of transformation. It's next. From Riverside Recovery, it's Reboot Your Life. Experience the ultimate reboot of your journey. Start anew and rediscover you. Transform your story. Rewrite your life. It's Reboot Your Life with Carrie Harrison and Ashley Neal. And it is Carrie Harrison here along with Ashley Neal, Riverside Recovery's Ashley Neal. And thank you for listening to Reboot Your Life, where we help you get back your life. Are drugs and alcohol getting in the way of you having a decent life? Or maybe someone you know or love is dealing with this issue? Well, we're going to take it straight on. We're going to provide solutions, even treatment or rehab solutions to make things easy and doable, all while providing take-home life hacks for you. It's time now for an electrifying conversation. I mean electrifying with the one and only Deepak Chopra. Now, this is not your typical discourse. This is an exploration into the profound realms of leadership, of spirituality, and the very essence of your being, of my being. Here on Reboot Your Life, you're going to be in the company of a man who has traversed the realms of medicine, endocrinology, and spirituality. We are talking about Deepak Chopra. Once an endocrinologist, say that one 10 times fast, now a spiritual luminary, here for you with his wisdom, his insights, and his manual for the soul. He's going to talk about his book, more relevant than ever, called The Soul of Leadership. Many of us wonder about life after treatment, our new life in recovery, newfound strengths and attitudes, and we're faced with the intricacies of leadership, the interconnectedness of our actions, and the very fabric of consciousness. Deep? Probably so, but that's why you're listening. Deepak Chopra, a master storyteller, he's going to unveil the layers of self-esteem, the dance of engagement, and the transformative power of conscious choices. Yep, choices, but you didn't know you had any. And we're not going to stop there. We're going to delve into the practical aspects of life from neuroplasticity, that's the brain's ability to rewire itself, to the impact of engaging with others in shared endeavors. We're going to offer that roadmap to you, to all of us seeking not just survival, but true flourishing. So buckle up for the journey into the recesses of your consciousness a discourse on the power of self-esteem, the dynamics of engagement, and the secrets of neuroplasticity. This is not just an interview. This is an invitation to understand the why behind our actions, to navigate the complexities of life with grace, and to redefine what it means to be a leader in a world yearning for authenticity. Deepak Chopra, thank you so much for being here, and I want to welcome you to Reboot Your Life. Thank you, thank you. Don't you love the imbalanced relationship of people who know you so well and you've never met them, not even once in your life? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I somehow managed to connect with the world. Yes, you do, and uh, lucky world for that. Uh, you know, it, it's always a treat for us to talk to people who've spent the balance of their lives helping people whom they may never meet, uh, you know, and use their talent and their passion and their discovery for the sake of the humans here on Earth. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's a very big privilege to be talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just jump right on into it and talk about your book, The Soul of Leadership, which shows how to bring meaning and values back into our everyday lives, lives that often feel depleted of such meaning, especially since many people feel like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill only to have it roll back down. I've been teaching uh, this course, Soul of Leadership, for about nine years at the Kellogg uh, School of Management, Kellogg Business School, and I also teach leadership at various companies like Frito-Lay and many others uh, across the world. And so, um, you know, finally I decided to kind of summarize the gist of the whole course as uh, succinctly as I could. And um, I'm getting a good response. Well, you know, especially in this era where we've got uh, this sort of ongoing, seemingly endless recession, where many of us aren't even able to captain our own tiny little destinies. And now more than ever, everyone is just looking for a simple roadmap of how do I navigate the shoals of the future? And this is something with which you have great familiarity. 
I do, and you know, moments of crisis are also moments of opportunity. You know that Chinese thing, where there is danger, there is opportunity. And uh, this may be a time to be a little more reflective and ask uh, really meaningful questions like, uh, how do I ignore success and pursue excellence? Uh, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? What's really important to me? Uh, how do I nurture the best relationships in my life? What are my unique skills? Have I been using them? Or now is the time to actually use my unique talents and skills? What does a meaningful relationship mean to me? Who are my heroes and heroines in history, mythology, religion? You know, if you live these questions, life has a very interesting way of moving you into the answers. You don't need to know the answers. I do this with my students at Kellogg. I do this with business executives. They've really never asked the simplest question, which is, what's my story? You know, when you meet people on the, in an airplane or on the street or, you know, at a party, you say, you usually ask them, so where do you live and what do you do? Um, I ask them, who are you? What do you want? What's your story? And, you know, you, then you get a completely different view of a person and what gives them meaning and context towards their relationships. And then you know, you know, what, what they're really capable of. I think people don't realize the greatness that's already there in them. One of the things that's simple, and you just said this a second ago, is you meet people and you ask them, well, well really, who are you? And, and I remember in maybe kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mm -hmm. I think we all said fireman or something, having <laughs> no idea what a fireman was. Yeah. And then maybe if you're lucky later in life, you sort of figure out what you're naturally capable of or naturally capable at. We call that talent, something the universe Yeah, has. you know... To give you an example, I recently, um, you know, got an email from a woman in New York that she was uh, very depressed because she'd lost her job in uh, some high-tech firm. And, you know, I just, she happened to be nearby in New York, so I met her and I said, now tell me, you know, were you happy at the job? And she said, no. I said, what, what's your passion? She said, cooking. I said, you know what? Start uh, letting people know that you're uh, available to come and cook at their homes when they have a party or bring food to them. And, you know, within less than a year, she first started doing this. Now she's employed five other people. She's so busy with, um, you know, these, um, uh, these uh, basically uh, cooking for parties at people's homes with five other people that she employs, then she's got a thriving business. So, you know, I always say to people, if you had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, how would you spend your time? How would you express your passion? And there she is. And now she's thinking of opening a restaurant because she's made so much money. So, you know, uh, you should focus on people's strengths and their passion. If you have a child who's good at playing tennis and hates mathematics, don't get him a math teacher, get him a tennis coach. One day he'll employ, <laughs> he'll employ a mathematician to be his accountant. Yeah, don't go to a hardware store for milk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because I think many of us have things that we would love to do, but they seem embarrassing or they seem to be unreachable, unattainable. And somebody else is doing it and being paid for it. And to them, it's just a boring job. But to us, it's an amazing opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So this is the time to really reflect on that. You know, in the book, I talk about not only that, but this is basically what we call soul searching. But also, how do you create a vision? How do you engage people emotionally so that they want to be part of that vision I talk about the hierarchy of needs and the hierarchy of responses. I talk about action orientation. I talk about empowerment, responsibility, the mysterious thing that we call um, call um, uh, synchronicity. It is mysterious. People. Yeah, <laughs> but those coincidences actually do uh, play a role in our life. You know, if you had a person, or this hadn't happened, or that hadn't happened. I never ignore a coincidence. I always ask myself, what's the meaning of this coincidence? And sooner or later, something happens, an incident or a relationship or an encounter 
or an opportunity. Carrie Harrison here with you, along with Riverside Recovery's Ashley Neal, and this is Reboot Your Life, RebootYourLife.com. We're talking right now to Deepak Chopra, and Mr. Chopra's written a book called The Soul of Leadership, which is really an excellent manual, a how-to book, something that we've all been seeking for what really makes leaders tick. And many of us are in positions now where we have to walk our own path. A lot of us, Mr. Chopra, grew up watching Star Trek, for instance, and we say, wow, this this Captain Kirk or Captain Picard, whichever captain it might be this this week, uh, these guys seem to have uh, people appreciate them, even though they're tough. They have to be tough, but they give orders, but they also respect and appreciate the people that might be a little bit under them. They find this sort of equal range of how big humility it might even be called. Yeah, also, you know, what is true self-esteem? You know, a lot of people confuse self-image with self-esteem. Self-image is what other people have thought of you and then you kind of are dependent on other people for your image. It's in your bio, for example, your references. But self-esteem is something totally different. It's going to a deeper level and understanding meaning and context and relationship and story. And that's, you know, once you do that, you're fearless, you're beneath no one and you become independent of uh, the good and bad opinions of others, and that's where the place of power is, to to be immune to criticism and yet responsive to feedback. Now, is one of the ways, uh, and I'm just kind of throwing this out here, one of the ways of getting self-esteem would be by doing esteemable things. It's not just granted to you out of the heavens because Providence mm-hmm. is in a good mood that day. No, the, what is the uh, self-esteem comes when you live up to your values, when you're expressing your passion, and also uh, it's kind of something that's programmed into children, you know, uh, through what they hear. So that's the tough part. A lot of people have had traumatic experiences in childhood, or they were their parents were unhappy, and so they heard unhappy conversations, and they become kind of almost hardwired to look at things negatively. So I take these people through uh, a deep process to question their limiting beliefs. And, you know, when they start to do that, they actually find uh, that they can liberate themselves from all these uh, very, um, you know, limiting belief systems. Yeah, and which can be very tough seeing as a, a child is basically a laptop and all it has is the software put on it, and the software is as limited as, as what it, it does. It's Windows yeah. 95 when the world is demanding a Mac. <laughs> That's a good one. So we love talking to spiritual folks here on our show and figuring out why we tick and what makes us tick and why we do the things that we do. I also love the fact that you're an endocrinologist and that you focus on the fact that life is more than just autonomic glands and hormones. You focus on how we can have a better understanding of each other and work to be our best selves. Well, very grateful to be able to share this. You know, I was interested in well-being. I realized physical well-being was dependent on emotional well-being, and then I realized that was dependent on spiritual well-being. Then I realized that it was all related, you know, career well-being, financial well-being, community well-being, physical and emotional well-being are all interrelated. And so now I've also joined the Gallup organization as a as a consultant and senior scientist. We have amazing data to show the direct correlation between, say, um, your career well-being and your financial well-being and whether you're a happy person or not. If you're, you know, 20% of people only in the United States are actually engaged in what they do, which means they enjoy what they do. The rest don't. I mean, almost 25% are actively disengaged which means that they are not only unhappy, but they come to work to make other people unhappy. And then the rest are just plain disengaged, which means that uh, they just punch in the clock and wait for the weekend. This costs the U.S. economy something like um, almost $380 billion. So, and if if your manager, for example, ignores you, your rate of disengagement goes up by 45%. 
if the manager doesn't ignore you but uh, criticizes you, it actually drops to 20% because human beings would rather be criticized than ignored. At least you're being noticed. You exist. But if your manager notices a single strength and acknowledges it, your rate of disengagement goes down to less than 1%. Now, tell me if this doesn't have economic implications. Well, absolutely it does. And it's certainly not the way we think. Uh, And the fact is, I think part of our programming and training is simply not to think, which is why some of the people who are so disengaged, as you point out so rightly, actually believe that they're putting in a a full existence, uh, that it's it's all that they can possibly do, and that there's nothing more except a continued suffering. And quite clearly, we really are the captains of our own destiny. Yeah. We are. And also, you know, what we found is that if you engage with other people um, in uh, in developing common goals, whatever it is, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to exercise, whether you want to improve your health or your performance at your job, if you do it with a friend, then your likelihood of um, success is much higher. And therefore, you know, relationship is a key. Even... Yeah, I was yesterday. I was speaking at LinkedIn, which is a network of professional relationships. They have now over a hundred million members. Right. And you know, we know that if, let's say, you have a happy friend, then your happiness goes up by fifteen percent. But if your happy friend has another happy friend, it goes up another eleven percent. If the happy friend's happy friend has a happy friend, then it goes up another ten percent. So even three to six degrees of separation influence you. Right now, you and I are having a conversation, but it's actually much more that. The people in our life, in my life, and the people in your life are having a conversation with each other through us. Exactly, exactly. And that's part of the uh, sandbox of possibility when everybody is invited in and has access. Uh, The growth can happen consistently, if not, uh, whatever the word I'm looking for, the right way spread out like a happy virus, the good kind, to be sure. We're talking to Deepak Chopra. He's got a book out called The Soul of Leadership, which examines ways that we can strengthen our own selves and fit in better and also be of greater command and uh, captaincy of our own well-being and our own futures, but also how we interrelate with all the other humans, whether we're subordinate to them or dominant to them, but how everything all tends to fit together. And as a physician uh, who dealt into, who leapt off the high dive into the world of spirituality, we certainly have many listeners who are agnostic and such, right. wondering how real spirituality is, Dr. Chopra. Yeah, well, you shouldn't confuse that with the religious dogma or ideology or belief. I think you know, spirituality is a domain of awareness where we experience our universality. Where does your insight come from, your intuition, your creativity, your um, imagination, your conscious choice-making? Um, these are spiritual qualities. They're not um, produced by the networks of your brain. You know, your networks are not creative. You are creative. You, know, you use your brain, brain networks to express yourself. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of interest right now in this whole idea of what is consciousness from a scientific perspective. Are our thoughts simply a manifestation of the secretions of our brain? Or, in fact, it's the other way around. Is our mind influencing our brain? And now there's a lot of very interesting research in what is called neuroplasticity, which means you can consciously change the hardwiring of your brain. There's an expression that neurons that fire together wire together. And how do you fire them together? Well, when you think. And so, you know, depending on how you choose to focus attention on whether it's love or compassion or joy, that all selectively uh, lays down new hardwiring in the brain. And if you're free and upset and resentful, then your midbrain gets activated, which is a very primitive uh, part of your brain. Is this the amygdala? Amygdala, yes. That's where the fear is generated. So, you know, you can override these very, very... Um, um, primitive responses, and you can activate your limbic brain for uh, emotional connection, 
and you can use your cortical brain for actually hardwiring for creativity and living a life that is not so banal and trivial. Wow, what a what a great plan of action there. And I, and I just want to sort of finish with um, many of us, when we look at leaders, because of the recent political cycle, say in the last three or four years, going back to the Bush administration, where leaders of big companies, whether it was, you know, Halliburton or MCI or Enron, or if it's Goldman Sachs now, these guys, we hear the word leader and we think of thief. We think of uh, dominating puck We think of power-mongering, cronyism, corruption, bureaucracy, influence peddling, lobbyists, all of that. But oh, that's keep not going. Leadership, you know? <laughs> That's not really leadership. That's uh, that's corruption, and you know there's a karmic debt that comes with it. Sooner or later, you see the fall. Boy, is that true? And haven't we all seen that? Well, not only with other people, but even in our own behavior. Thank you so much, Deepak Chopra, for joining us here on Reboot Your Life. Thank you so much for having me on your show and giving me the opportunity to reach even more people. Carrie Harrison here with you, along with Ashley Neal, and we've been speaking with Deepak Chopra, a beacon of enlightenment in a world hungry for meaning and purpose, in a conversation that resonates with the challenges of our times. As a former endocrinologist, say that one ten times fast, he brings a unique perspective to spirituality. We looked at how consciousness influences the brain, and how we as individuals consciously change the hardwiring of our own brains. Gosh, yeah, and I think the concept of self-esteem is so often misunderstood. I love the distinction between self-image and self-esteem. And Mr. Chopra mentioned the importance of questioning our own limiting beliefs so that we can better navigate through traumatic experiences from childhood and liberate ourselves from limiting beliefs. And I also just am so thrilled to have been in the same presence with him. What a great conversation. Well, that's just an hors d'oeuvre of many entrees to come here on Reboot Your Life. We're going to be bringing on all the big superstars because you deserve it. You earn it. And you put your trust in us here to bring you this kind of information because we're really serious. And we're lucky to have a partner like Riverside Recovery that thinks this is important in their external mission. Not only are they doing something in-house for people who need it, with the rest of the humans, because maybe you know someone who can help it, or maybe it just can help you on your own. Coming up, Ashley and I are going to get a little transparent. Uh-oh, little candid. We're going to talk <laughs> about our own limiting beliefs and how we're aware of them and what we've done and, and still do real time to deal with it. It's not like, oh, I'm cured. Okay, yep. so see ya, goodbye. No, it just doesn't <laughs> really work that way. But it is a process, and we're going to take a look at that in just a tick. More straight ahead. Riverside Recovery of Tampa was created to offer state-of-the-art treatment options to people suffering from addiction. The model was developed to meet clients and their families where they are at and provide them with the tools and education needed so that they can achieve long-term recovery. No two people are the same, and no two people have the same experience with addiction. And it is for this reason that we tailor each treatment plan to the unique needs of each individual. Located alongside the Hillsborough River in the heart of Tampa, Riverside Recovery offers the full continuum of care. And what that means is that we offer medical detoxification, residential care, day treatment, intensive outpatient, and outpatient levels of care. The program at Riverside is focused on high-quality clinical care offered in a safe, comfortable, and serene environment where everyone feels empowered to change the course of their lives. The stigma that surrounds addiction continues to be high on the list of reasons that people do not seek help. At Riverside Recovery, we are working to change the narrative and empower people to recognize addiction as a disease, not a moral failing. We can recover, and we do, as evidenced by the thousands of people who have taken that courageous first step and asking for help. The staff at Riverside understand what it's like to recover. In fact, over 75% of our staff are in long-term recovery. If you or someone you know needs help and are ready to seek treatment, call Riverside Recovery of Tampa at 1-800-871-5440. That's 800-871-5440. You can learn more about the treatment we provide at rrtampa.com. Again, that's rrtampa.com. It's Reboot Your Life. 
Enjoy our podcasts, our anytime, anywhere Reboot Your Life podcasts on every single major streaming platform. And don't forget to like us. We already like you. Introducing the Reboot Your Life hotline. We've set up a dedicated phone number so you can leave your comments, questions, or even a piece of your own life story whenever you feel like it. Feedback matters, and we know you may have something you want to get off your chest. Call or text our Reboot Your Life hotline if you'd like to tell your story or leave a comment. It's an easy number to call or text 323-8-REBOOT. 323-8-REBOOT. Again, that's 323-8-REBOOT. Life 2.0. It's your life and your reboot. It's Reboot Your Life with Carrie Harrison and Ashley Neal. And it is Reboot Your Life with Carrie Harrison and Ashley Neal. Welcome, as always, to Reboot Your Life, your series of life upgrade shows, solutions, life hacks, evidence, science-based looks into addiction, just like we heard from Dr. Deepak Chopra. Uh, we heard about psychology, personal growth, and self-esteem. Reboot Your Life is devoted to you and you becoming the best version of yourself. And Ashley, Neil, uh, I love, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but when neurons, neurons do it together, it becomes hardwiring, something like that. It's true. And I think yes. the best example would be something super simple like any of us. I had to take piano lessons as a kid. I don't know if you, did you ever have to do that? Not piano. Okay. I did the ukulele. But of course, <laughs> now piano for me, I mean, I like the piano, but I don't like my mother. And so my mother hanging over me, just snarling and drooling with fangs and teeth and broken glass because I missed a key or it was, you know, there's zero pleasure. And I love piano. I wanted to be able to play Chopin. Who doesn't? But I was not into it. And, you know, that was part of it is that I was not able to develop the passion, so I actually developed an allergy to playing the piano mm -hmm. just yep. because of the situations. And then here as a grown-up, I'm like, geez, I wish I could play the piano. I could play a CD. I could play an MP3, but it's not the same. And so you have to unlearn that by reintroducing yourself into playing piano again, this time with maybe people around you that you like, uh, not Mommy Dearest and Cruella DeVille on a good Tuesday, but maybe yep. some, you know, something a little better. And who... There you go. Your brain rebuilds a new version of what it means to learn the piano. Yeah, I think that I can relate that to my experience with uh, trying to learn how to play golf. I remember uh, it was probably 2004-ish, so I was about 24 years old and dating this guy that was obsessed with golf. You know, Tiger Woods was the big deal at the time, so we were watching golf every weekend. And I usually just rode around in the golf cart with him. And one day he said, would you like to try to hit? So I got out of the cart. I walked up to the ball. I had no idea what I was doing. I swung the club. I missed. I got right back in the cart. And I did not try to play golf again until probably 2015 <laughs> um, with another boyfriend um, who ended up being my husband, but, you know, different circumstance, not the same person, um, and let go of some of those limiting beliefs. And I actually fell in love with the game, um, rushed home every night after work so that I could get to the golf course before, you know, uh, the sun went down at 830. And it became um, a hobby and something that I could do with my husband and really fell in love with it. Now, I haven't played again in a very long time um, since my husband hit me in the ankle with a golf ball. So, yeah. <laughs> but you, but you like it, yeah. Because what you did yeah. is that's that's resilience. Is you got back up and you did it again. And when you did it again, you did it better. And when you did it better, you built self esteem around the whole thing. Yeah, um, and you know, golf is really, especially if you work in the in the business community at all. I mean, most business deals happen over a game of golf, or you can really get to know somebody in that period of time. I mean, it takes four hours to play eighteen holes for the most part, so you really can build some strong relationships and, and get some business done on the golf course. I have a golf experience, which is probably <laughs> sufficient. <laughs> um, I was up in Connecticut, and we, my uncle knew Mrs. 
Buckley. This is William F. Buckley Jr.'s mother, a, a name that not everyone is going to know because he's he's been dead for a while. But he was the sort of the consciousness of the conservative movement for many years, wrote a ton of books, had a show on PBS called Firing Line. And his mother was like 180 years old and she wanted to go golfing and have lunch. And so we did that. I am not a golfer. Did I point out I am not a golfer? But <laughs> yeah. they assume I'm a go I'm his nephew. Of course I'm a golfer. Like, why wouldn't I be? So I get out there and I hack giant craters in this beautiful golf course. I mean, it is the most disturbing thing you've ever seen. And I am terrified, humiliated, embarrassed, and I keep whacking chunks of earth flying through the air. I mean, almost half as far as a golf ball would go. This is not <laughs> the right golfing behavior. And then of all weird circumstances, there is a guy standing there who's uh, in the cart behind us, and he walks up and introduces himself, puts his hand out, says, hi, I'm Tom Brokaw. This is wow. a and my uncle, as clueless as I am to playing golf, he's like, John Stimson has no idea who Tom Brokaw is because he doesn't watch TV. So the whole thing is just madness. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going near this again. Mrs. Buckley is definitely never going to have a watercress sandwich with me again. I blew that <laughs> forever. But now, you know, and again, these are earlier experiences when you're growing up. And when you're growing up, it's also serious. It's also permanent. You can't see ever any alternative. Now, mm -hmm. I'm willing to try anything. I have I've bungee jumped off of everything from cranes. I've skydived uh, up in Zephyr Hills. Almost died. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm surprised you're still almost alive. Died. No, I mean, yeah. when I say almost dived, people say that because it's cool. I say it because it's true. I, <laughs> I jumped out. It was a tandem jump. I had a 180-pound South African on my back, a tandem jump. I had never jumped before. We were supposed to go up, and it had rained each time or there were too many clouds, and so they canceled. And it, they use a World War II-era DC-3, so there's no door on it. And these things have 140,000 flight hours. They flew over Germany, so there's just a door sucking air. And we were videotaping this thing. So I was so focused on the technical, it never occurred to me I was going to jump out of an airplane. And they went up to 14,000 feet, which you need oxygen at that level. But they went up high enough so there would be enough time to shoot enough video. So like a nitwit, I get up at the door. This guy is strapped on my back. I put my arms around this open hatch. And I look down and I just see a gray map underneath moving with clouds going over. And I go, oh, my God. And it is as loud as 40 tornadoes and four train wrecks. And it is sucking. It's trying to suck me out of the plane. So I'm holding on for dear life and I'm not going to go out. And so the, the South African is like, we got to jump because, you know, you're supposed to land in a certain spot, not in the Gulf of Mexico or, you know, somewhere else, but like on the spot. So he takes his belly and goes, pushes me out of the plane and unlike all those gorgeous films you've seen of people skydiving where their arms are out like birds and they're soaring and it's so peaceful the light is glistening through the rainbow no i am dropping 120 miles per second per <laughs> second and we're cutting through a rain cloud and the only reason we went is try number five they said to hell with it send this guy up there and so when you go through a rain cloud what is a rain cloud it is millions of rain droplets and when you hit a rain droplet at 120 miles an hour you've just hit a hornet or a wasp so imagine thousands of them stinging you and you're you know you're hyperventilating and the water is streaming from your eyes through your goggles and he's like pull the ripcord and I don't even know what he's, I can't, it's in my ear. So he reaches around, pulls the ripcord, parachute comes out, and we settle the way you're supposed to. You flip back up, you look up, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And then, and then the steering line of the parachute, of the canopy, starts to unfurl. Because in Florida here, we have mildew. And mildew will eat through all kinds of stuff. And these things were not highly regulated as they are today. And so the steering line snaps, the canopy shoots straight back up into like a deflated 
giant garbage bag. We go back head first. Now we're at 5,500 feet with no real air pressure holding you up, zooming straight toward the ground, toward the treetops, toward the trucks. Whoosh! And I look up over my feet and I just see the sky getting bigger. And I look down and I see the trucks getting bigger. And then there's this guy on my back and he's yelling at me, which again, I can't quite tell what he's saying. Pull the reserve chute. Now, I, I can't, couldn't find the original. Pull the res. Are you kidding? So he pulls the reserve chute. It comes out and it is mildewed again. Whoever uses the reserve chute, no one. So it sits in there through a thousand rainstorms. It comes out over the bottom of our feet as I'm looking up and flying at 120 miles an hour toward my death. Did I see my life flash before my eyes? Nope. I thought, oh, I, I literally, I surrendered. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Who has time to play the movie of the week of your whole life? Yeah. And so it's getting battered. And thankfully, battered enough that about 15 seconds before impact, it unfurled. And we flipped back up, took a wicked landing. I still have a scar on my back. And after all that, the guy charges me 20 bucks because we missed our landing spot. And that's, he'd never, out of a thousand jumps, he'd never had that much fun. <laughs> well, my question is, did, did you ever do it again or was that the one and only time that was the one and only time because uh, it's too dangerous for me there's no like bungee cords there's there's a safety something with this uh it's it's too thrill-seeking for me but i respect other people who did it but i did um i've done literally every kind of crazy motorcycle thing jumping i've jumped off the alps in switzerland off the matterhorn on a, a paragliding i have done it all and all that was a way to get through my my piano my golf and all these other traumas which seem yeah. minor but you know they can stifle you right yeah so true uh, so i have my own little skydiving experience um i did it when i was 30 years old but i didn't do it for myself. I did it for a girlfriend that I grew up with who was going through a divorce and we were both turning 30. So it was like, let's go do this thing. Um, I used to be a, a bit more of a thrill seeker when I was younger. I do think that um, as I have gotten older, kind of the thrill seeking part of me has gotten quieter because I have a child. I think that's just something that happens. Maybe it's called uh, responsibility. Right. But <laughs> as she's gotten older and now she's wanting to thrill seek, now I'm starting to dip my toe back in the water a little bit. I mean, I, several years ago, I blacked out on Shikra at uh, Bush Gardens and I never thought I would ride a roller coaster again. But now she's into roller coasters. So I've been riding. Well, that's the right one to black out on. <laughs> you know, Bush Gardens is a hidden secret. People yeah. go all the way to Orlando. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right up Bush. It's all yeah. there and more. And they got new ones that are rolling out. And uh, I, I love roller coasters too. But I will tell you, for some reason, my stomach is now getting sensitive. I'm now getting kind of queasy. But maybe they're just so sophisticated now, upside down, sideways, double backflips. Like, who could take that? But I love yeah. it. <laughs> and, and I guess part of it is the adrenaline rush that so many of us report having, right? Yes. And I think that we, by nature, just, I mean, I'll speak for myself, am a thrill seeker. And um, what's the other word I want to use? I'm just always trying to find something to light my fire. And sometimes the it, it's a little bit too close to the fire. So, um, yeah, I, I've had my thrill with roller coasters. I went to SeaWorld recently, and that's a whole different set of roller coasters and I don't like them now you're the top of your body is just all free and floating around out there there you know there's no harness that comes over your <laughs> neck and my husband and my kid are like we love this the feeling of weightlessness and I'm the exact opposite I want to be like locked in strapped down feeling secure yeah 
We're going to finish off the show in just a couple of minutes and uh, close this up with a couple of more cool stories. We have a new hotline for you that Ashley's going to tell you about in just a moment where you can tell some of your stories. Maybe you want to tell a, a whole story, a full story on the air, and we certainly invite and welcome you to do that. So make sure you hang on for just a second to get that information. Carrie Harrison with you, along with Riverside Recovery's Ashley Neal, and this is Reboot Your Life. All right, we'll be back after this. The next sounds you hear will be that of our stations breaking. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you use insulin or have had hypoglycemic events, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-413-6441. 800-413-6441. That's 800-413-6441. It's Reboot Your Life. Introducing the Reboot Your Life hotline. We've set up a dedicated phone number so you can leave your comments, questions, or even a piece of your own life story whenever you feel like it. Feedback matters, and we know you may have something you want to get off your chest. Call or text our Reboot Your Life hotline if you'd like to tell your story or leave a comment. It's an easy number to call or text. 323-8-REBOOT. 323-8-REBOOT. Again, that's 323-8-REBOOT. Are you familiar with Riverside Recovery of Tampa? Well, they offer a profound, all-embracing approach to addiction treatment. With a dedicated team of empathetic professionals, Riverside Recovery is committed to guiding individuals on their path to enduring recovery, using a variety of science-backed therapies, counseling, and support services. Riverside Recovery values the individuality of every recovery journey. Their tailored treatment plans respond to the specific needs, the hurdles, and goals of each resident, providing effective aid regardless of whether you're taking your first steps in recovery or maintaining your progress. With Riverside, recovery isn't just achievable, it's an influential journey towards a healthier, brighter future. The testimonials of those who've undergone treatment there are evidence of rediscovered self-worth and potential. Located on the tranquil Hillsborough River of Tampa, Riverside serves as a peaceful haven, promoting self-discovery and healing. They acknowledge that recovery is about more than just overcoming difficulties. It's also about finding your innate strength and resilience. The Riverside Recovery's committed team are your empathic allies in your recovery journey. They comprehend that genuine healing involves the mind, body, and spirit, meticulously dealing with all facets of addiction. Riverside Recovery is your haven, providing a continuous stream of hope, nourishing the seeds of long-standing change and rejuvenation. Discover more at rrtampa.com or reach out at 800-871-5440. Life 2.0. It's your life and your reboot. It's Reboot Your Life with Carrie Harrison and Ashley Neal. And it is Reboot Your Life with Carrie Harrison and Ashley Neal. Don't forget you can go to rrtampa.com to learn more about Riverside Recovery. And Ashley Neal, just as we wrap it up in the last few minutes here, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, changing the channel of childhood experiences, that trauma that does burn in. And, and Dr. Chopra was talking about neuroplasticity. And that's what the brain does is between the age of zero and 10, your brain literally hardwires itself to every experience you have. So if you have a loving aunt, it hardwires it in. If you have, if you're bullied in the, in the playground, it hardwires itself in. And when you're 80, you still act like an eight-year-old until you get into recovery or relearn or reboot. And until you become aware, you can't fix it. And isn't that the conundrum? Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot, having um, a child now. And I think about some of the experiences that I had as a child. Now, I didn't really necessarily witness my parents fighting, but I can remember that being at my house wasn't necessarily the same as being at my friends' houses and seeing the interactions with their my friends' parents and seeing the interactions with my parents or even just the interactions within my family. You know, the family dynamics that I had 
were oftentimes very different than what was going on at my friend's house. But I always thought that what was going on at my house was the right way. So now being a parent and trying to rewire my brain as well, that no, that's not the way things, you know, should. Every time I say the word should, I think back to a therapist I had one time that says, whenever you say should, you're shitting all over people. Um, So I I try to not use that word a lot. But, um, you know, I do think you develop kind of an expectation. And that's where the word should comes from of, you know, well, this is how my family was and my family is right. My family does the right thing. So this must be the way that I'm supposed to do life when I become an adult. But that's just not the case. See, I would swap your family because my family always did the wrong thing. And I knew because no. <laughs> I could compare yeah. it. I'd go over to my friend's house and they called their mother mom. I literally never called my mother mom one time in my whole life. She wow. was mummy, like mommy mm. dearest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, severe. And my father didn't even have a name. You didn't call him dad. I think my sister called him daddy. I called him daddy till I was 12. And then he told me that men don't call other men daddy. And But it wasn't going to be sir. It wasn't going to be anything. So I just came out with the question, which is a really abnormal, weird kind of childhood training. And I had to reboot and relearn all of that and get like, okay with all of this stuff. And I ran into a woman yesterday who says she keeps a strand of pearls on her refrigerator in her kitchen. I said, why? She said, because a lot of people grew up with a show called Leave it to Beaver. Mm-hmm. And Leave it to Beaver was one of these you know, fake TV shows where the wife wore pearls and high heels and vacuumed in them, which is like impossible and ridiculous and obviously painful. And because it was a TV mom who was doing all this while dressed up, when people come and start telling her what to do in the kitchen, she hands them the pearls. And that's how she deals with it. And of course, it's funny. Everyone gets it. They laugh and they leave her alone. So there's a lot of cool ways to wrangle through this stuff. Uh, But I think awareness is the first step uh, in trying to figure out, you know, how do I do a better version of what I know? Because what I know isn't working. You know, I want to have a mom. So my aunt is like a mother, like she became sort of like my proxy mother. And I have friends in in my new life that I share with you and many others that that are the sisters and brothers and cousins that I might never have had. And so, you know, you end up with a whole new world, but you got to step into it first. Yep. Yeah. We just had that conversation with my daughter this weekend. My husband and I were talking about you know, being um, in recovery, we get to have relationships with so many people that we may have never met. You know, uh, I think one of the first people that had a big influence on my life whenever I first got into recovery was um, a woman that was, you know, 25 years older than me from New York, and we had absolutely nothing in common, but she came like a became like a mother figure to me. So, you know, I, I would not have the opportunity to meet so many people from so many different walks of life had I not made the decision to, you know, change my life, reboot my life. Yep. And, you know, pain is a great motivator. Let's just be honest. If you're listening right now and (laughs) you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you really don't see much light at the end of the tunnel and every day is just a rerun of, of not good, or you've got family members that are just sort of living in that terrible hamster wheel of hell and anything else you know we really do have the answer we really can help you and we're doing it in a soft way where you know you can decide to do it you can decide not to do it and then the rest of us who may not have any of these issues just want to get the life upgrade and the the secrets and the tricks and that's one of the reasons we brought dr deepak chopra on because he's a good fit for all of us if you're alive and you live in this country and you have to function you need to know how to do it because we are not taught this in school i kindergarten time for a nap that's what i was taught shut up <laughs> that's what i was taught so, yeah. this is just such a great upgrade so tell us ashley neil next week we have on a really wonderful good get dr evelyn evelyn higgins mm-hmm. can you tell us yes. a little bit about her so i actually met dr higgins last year at a uh employment um, assistance professionals conference. And 
she is wonderful. She has a lot of understanding of the like epigenetics of addiction. And she works with some really great people who have an experience within public policy. So um, they, they're having a lot of conversations with different legislators about addiction in general and, you know, working within the criminal justice system, too, with essentially like pharmacogenetic testing where you can do some types of testing to find out what medications work well with your makeup. You know, okay. what may work for you may not work the same for me. Um, she's got a lot of experience. She's done some TEDx. Um, so I'm looking forward to having a conversation with her again. I've actually done a little bit of work with her um, again on the public policy side. Uh, we went to the Florida Capitol this year and got to talk to lawmakers. All right. Well, this is going to be great because we're going to learn all about how uh, the medical side of it works, the medication yep. side of it works, and really how all of it works with your brain, with my brain, and with Ashley's brain. All three brains, all in one <laughs> spot, along with you. Here on Reboot Your Life, Carrie Harrison with you, along with Ashley Neal. This is Reboot Your Life, and thanks for listening. From Riverside Recovery, it's Reboot Your Life. Introducing the Reboot Your Life hotline. We've set up a dedicated phone number so you can leave your comments, questions, or even a piece of your own life story whenever you feel like it. Feedback matters, and we know you may have something you want to get off your chest. Call or text our Reboot Your Life hotline if you'd like to tell your story or leave a comment. It's an easy number to call or text 323-8-REBOOT. 323-8-REBOOT. Again, that's 323-8-REBOOT. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Call 800-281-7048. 800-281-7048. That's 800-281-7048. Enjoy our podcasts, our anytime, anywhere Reboot Your Life podcasts on every single major streaming platform. And don't forget to like us. We already like you. Riverside Recovery of Tampa was created to offer state-of-the-art treatment options to people suffering from addiction. The model was developed to meet clients and their families where they are at and provide them with the tools and education needed so that they can achieve long-term recovery. No two people are the same, and no two people have the same experience with addiction. And it is for this reason that we tailor each treatment plan to the unique needs of each individual. Located alongside the Hillsborough River in the heart of Tampa, Riverside Recovery offers the full continuum of care. And what that means is that we offer medical detoxification, residential care, day treatment, intensive outpatient, and outpatient levels of care. The program at Riverside is focused on high-quality clinical care offered in a safe, comfortable, and serene environment where everyone feels empowered to change the course of their lives. The stigma that surrounds addiction continues to be high on the list of reasons that people do not seek help. At Riverside Recovery, we are working to change the narrative and empower people to recognize addiction as a disease, not a moral failing. We can recover, and we do, as evidenced by the thousands of people who have taken that courageous first step and asking for help. The staff at Riverside understand what it's like to recover. In fact, over 75% of our staff are in long-term recovery. If you or someone you know needs help and are ready to seek treatment, call Riverside Recovery of Tampa at 1-800-871-5440. That's 800-871-5440. You can learn more about the treatment we provide at rrtampa.com. Again, that's rrtampa.com. Dot com.